everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ego Check with the NDM. I am your host, Michael Mallon, and I'm very excited this week to welcome onto the show Wayne June, who is a voice talent, voiceover artist, and narrator with extensive experience. Um, he's done uh, many audiobooks, uh, also some video game work, and how I uh, came to know him is through Darkest Dungeon. He is the voice of the narrator, which adds so much to that game. And I'm thrilled to have him here on the show today. Uh, Wayne, how are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me. Eh? Yes, thank you for joining me. So there is a lot to dive into. I wonder if you could give listeners just kind of a brief background on your professional role and how that came to pass. Well, basically, many, many, many moons ago, uh, my first interest in terms of a career was uh, as is was the music industry. Uh, I played drums and sing, and have been doing that for well, since like 1969 was my first band. Oh wow! What, uh, what was the name of the band? Oh God, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Caution, I think, was the name of the, my very first band. Oh, okay. We did high school dances and that kind of thing at that point. I think I was 15 years old. And basically, I did that for you know I don't know forty years, uh, and ran the gamut in the in the music industry, just playing um, mostly in cover bands, some show bands, uh, some regional bands, and played all sorts of different styles. Started out with uh, rock and roll, heavy stuff, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, that kind of that kind of groovy stuff in the seventies. Excellent. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it. It was, it was definitely my passion. Had uh, kind of a cool opportunity occur uh, about the year 2000. Uh, a buddy of mine who I'd known forever, uh, Scott Spray, bass player, great, fantastic bass player, um, had uh, been uh, working with uh, a blues artist named Johnny Winter. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with him, depending on your the repertoire of, of blues and or rock from the 70s, okay. but he was a big star in the 70s, huge, uh, world-class guitar player. And um, anyway, he, uh, I found out, lived uh, in Connecticut, where I'm from, uh, about a half hour from me, and Scott had been rehearsing with him. Um, and so called me up and asked me if I wanted to cover that gig, if I wanted to do uh, rehearsals uh, with Johnny Winter. And <laughs> I had been a big fan, a huge fan of Johnny Winter when I was a kid. Uh, so, of course, I said yes. And uh, it just developed from there. I ended up, ended up actually joining the band. We toured and, um, boy, did several tours of Europe, played every state in the Union, uh, including Alaska and, uh, and Hawaii. Uh, there wasn't a lot of time off. We did, we pretty much toured constantly. And, uh, at that point, I was really starting to get, I don't know, uh, if homesick is, is the way to okay. describe it or just maybe lazy. I don't, I don't know, okay. but, uh, I was getting tired of the road and wanted to do something, uh, uh, where I could, you know, not travel so much. Yeah. Um, and I'd always had an interest in audiobooks after having stumbled across in the library, stumbled across uh, an LP uh, of uh, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And it was, uh, you know, a, a, a books on record or books on tape thing. And that would, had been my first uh, exposure to, to that kind of 
you know, voice business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but yeah, and got interested in it. And I, uh, over the years, as a, I was, you know, traveling or touring, I'd, I'd have cassettes or CDs and, and be listening to audiobooks on the road. So I was kind of an audiobook fan okay. for, for, for many years. And around the time I was, I was looking to, to try and find something whereby I could stay home, you know, stay in my bathrobe and, and work. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I started, you know, developing a, an interest in actually maybe, maybe I could do that voiceover stuff, you know. I mean, geez, uh, I have all the equipment at home in, in terms of a home studio. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it. Plus, a lot of the skill sets were, you know, kind of cross the border where uh, if I could operate a home studio, so that's boy, that's half the battle right there. I could read, <laughs> so uh, transferable I, skills. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I did uh, at that point a, a whole lot of research. I, I must have gone to every seminar had to do with the voiceover business, commercial voiceover, or, or narration, or yeah, or audiobooks. Uh, I just I went, went to a ton of seminars. Um, and what year did you kind of transition into that field? Well, that that was that's. Start, my interest really started uh, around 97 or 98. Okay. And um, coincidentally, that's the same uh, same time that the uh, gig I had uh, playing drums and singing with Johnny Winter began. So uh, my my interest started uh, growing in that, and I did a lot of you know studying, took courses. A place called Edge Studio in Manhattan had an outlet near me in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. So I studied with them a while, and you know, basically that's it. As uh, as it, my skills and and started to develop. I started to find out where my strengths were. Mm-hmm. At that point, I had been on the road with with Johnny for about seven years. So wow, that's uh, yeah, a lot it, of living. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it kind of um, it kind of all came together really once I left uh, that band and put uh, live music aside uh, and really started to concentrate on my efforts because you know uh, running a voice business is like any business you know it's like a donut shop or a car wash you got to j- keep all your ducks in a row business wise plus uh, keep your your, your skills uh, up to a certain level. You have to keep your eye in the industry to find out what the demands of the industry are so that you can fulfill them and you're not just shooting in the dark. You were talking about kind of different styles of, of narration or, or, or voice artistry, if, if that's the proper term. But I wonder what what kind of lane did you find yourself gravitating toward? I've, I've done just about everything. I mean, uh, when I first started out, I wanted I wanted to do everything in the voice business. I don't care what it is. That's what I want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, you learn uh, after, after having an, an attitude like that. You, experience teaches you that, uh, you know, you have to be realistic and find out where your strengths are and then go go with that. Uh, so. I started uh, some volunteer work for a studio in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, called Recording for the Blind and Dyslexic. And uh, what they did was, you know, put out books on tape uh, for people who are uh, visually challenged. Mm -hmm. And with that, I got a chance to do everything. I mean, I read uh, you'd go in there and uh, 
sit in a booth and and run everything yourself. We at that point we're using reel to reel tape recorders and just punching in and punching out, and uh, it was all analog technology. And uh, I read newspapers, I read plays, I read novels, I read uh, textbooks. <laughs> I tried to read. Uh, a calculus textbook, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried it for like, I don't know, 10 minutes. And then I was like, mm, you know what, maybe you should pass this one on to someone with, you know, specific experience in that because it was just, I, I had no idea what I was saying. I mean, I could have been making mistakes left or right. And I, you know, it was a totally foreign language. So I gave up on that. Um, I read, uh, <laughs> I read uh, a microwave, microwave oven owner's manual. Oh, okay. So, so I mean, literally, you, you taught me how to read anything, uh, because what you you know you have to mold your delivery to you know what the material demands and what the purpose of it is. Anyway, the, I, to, and to answer your question, through that experience, I started to to really uh, get a feel for um, for audiobooks. and uh, as a consequence, there's kind of a crossover there too to. Um, uh, corporate narration, business narration. So I, w- uh, I wonder, you know, curious, not really being familiar with what that, what a typical day of work is like in, in your field. So if, if you're working on a book or a novel or something like that, like how, do, how does that go? Like what are the hours? What's the typical routine? Uh, well, it, it, every single one is unique. Okay. You know, the, uh, everyone's different. Uh, the, the general overview thing of it is, uh, I like to pre-read the, the material first so that, uh, you know, if I'm starting a book that's going to be, um, uh, you know, I don't know, eight hours uh, finished product, I don't want any surprises when I get to hour seven and find out what I've been doing so far. Uh, for some reason, it's been wrong, you know, uh, sure. uh, wrong, wrong accent or you're sorry. Uh, wrong characterization, whatever it may be. So I like to pre-read it first. So that's once through the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you record it. Typically, I don't know, to, to end up with a finished one-hour uh, product, one-hour finished, ready-for-market uh, piece of an audiobook can take anywhere from six hours to you know, 12 hours, depending if, the, if there's a lot of characters in it. Uh, wow. It takes a lot of time to do it. So what I'll do is uh, I'll get up and try and wake up, you know, have coffee or Red Bull or something, get get the get, <laughs> get charged get, up, get the blood flowing, read something out loud while I'm eating breakfast. Like, you know, I don't know, uh, a magazine or whatever comes to hand uh, just to loosen my tongue and um, then typically do maybe a three-hour session, four-hour session. Sometimes maybe you could stretch it to five. And uh, I use a, a method which is uh, it's called punch and roll. So if I'm reading through a paragraph and I stumble or you know, miss a word or, or whatever, I stop uh, the recording, go back, punch in where I left off, and take it from there. Okay. Uh, so you, you end up uh, after a three- or four-hour session with – maybe two hours worth of of raw audio, which now needs attention. You have to go back to that, listen to it again uh, for background noises, proof it, you know, mistakes, uh, stomach grumbles, mouth noises, sneezes, okay. anything that, that made it in there that you don't want to keep it 
keep in there. So that's that's another time through. That's another couple hours work. And then when all of that is said and done, uh, you have to go through it and listen to it again. Like, I don't know, I like to take a day or two days, listen to it again with fresh ears and make sure that the impression I got that, yeah, OK, this is this is sufficient and make sure that that impression is true. And if it is, then it's time to get on to mastering. You take the material, run it through whatever processors you need to in terms of uh, noise reduction or EQ or uh, compression. Uh, make sure its uh, volume levels are uh, hot enough and consistent. Mm-hmm. Audiobooks have, you know, have they have their own, I don't know, parameters in terms of uh, technically what uh, what what you want to end up with. You know, it's not like a uh, uh, a rock and roll vocal track. It's a totally different uh, thing you want to end up okay. with. And so. it sounds like for the not only the the voice part of it, but you're also doing the post production piece. It's, yeah, I'm doing. It sounds like. Uh, that's the way the industry has gone. Okay. Um, what, it, it, what it used to be, um, as I understand it, is uh, you know a, a narrator or a voice artist would go into a studio, sit down, you know, crack the book. Maybe they pre-read it, maybe they didn't. Uh, do the performance. They'd have an engineer there running all the things for them. If you stumble, you just stop, okay, and then the guy would punch you back in, take it from there. Uh, so. Uh, and then when that was done, it would go to an editor. And then after it went through the hands of the editor, then it would go to uh, uh, an engineer who would do all the mastering, all the post-production. And after that, it would go to someone who's doing the quality control. And then it would go to someone who's doing the marketing and then it, it, whatever uh, from there. But, uh, you know, the way it's gone, the way the one way the Internet and the, you know, electronics uh revolution has uh, has affected this business is now uh, to own a home studio uh, which is really uh, in terms of quality right up there with everybody everybody else uh, I mean you can have a professional quality uh, home recording studio if you know what you're doing with it mm-hmm. for a lot less money than than it used to uh, used to be to, to, to run such a venture yeah. so so essentially, uh, now the way it, it's morphed is uh, there are more and more people wearing all the hats. So. Yeah. So, and it strikes me as you're as you're talking about it, from my perspective of being naive about this industry, you know, I'm familiar with like watching commentaries on how animated movies are made, and like they bring the actors in, and there's the behind the scenes of them in a studio, and it seems like there's a lot of collaboration going on there. And the yep. way you're describing the the narration for the for the books is more of a you're kind of a one-man show yeah well that, that's been my experience with it and it's uh, it's moving more and more in that direction there are still people out there who have been in the business for a long time and they're recognized names and big stars and they have followings of their own so that if a publisher wants to publish an audiobook you know hey i wish we could get this guy mm-hmm. you know to, to do it because he that's a selling point. His name on the book itself is a selling point. So uh, there are there still are people who uh, you know have the white glove experience. <laughs> I haven't had I haven't had that yet. But. Okay. And and so what is it like to work? I'm guessing in quite a bit of isolation. How do, how is that? Because it seems like this is certainly a very creative process and. It might be useful to bounce ideas off people, but do you have that? Is there some component to it, or how does that work for on some of the narration? Uh, well, the possibility for it is is always there. 
uh, whoever I'm responsible to in terms of delivering the product, mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm always uh, I mean they're always available to me if I have a question or if I'm having a problem with the text or so you know, I don't understand what this character is uh, is doing. Where is he going? Do you think it should go this way or that way? You know they're they're always there to to, to talk me through it to tell me what their ideas are or uh, to direct. To begin with, I've even done sessions where I've had uh, the producer uh, online with me, listening in on a recording session, and um, you know, directing me from there. So uh, I primarily, 99% of the time, do self-directed because I uh, I make a point of, of getting what their what their intention is, you know, understanding exactly what they want, and uh, and taking it from there. So I do 99% of it self-directed and, and by myself but you know the people who are hiring you to do this uh, are always available they're you know they're they're interested in getting what they want mm -hmm. so they're they always make, make themselves available to you and and scrolling through some of the books that you've done narration on just on amazon it seems like there's a lot of like lovecraft material and and how did that come come about um, well, I was uh, working with uh, uh, one publisher in particular at that time who had uh, who offered me the, uh, the the Lovecraft stuff. It had just uh, gone into the public domain at that time. I had been familiar with H.P. Lovecraft. I always been, you know, I was I was one of the kids who grew up with uh, uh, comic books and horror movies, and sure. you know, I, I loved the monster stuff. So <laughs> that that thing, that kind of thing, always uh, always attracted me. Uh, my dad was a huge uh, uh, reader, and uh, he he had science fiction books in his library that was just I, I don't know. I think he had every science fiction book ever printed. And uh, when I wasn't uh, you know watching Twilight Zone or Outer Limits on on TV, I'd, I'd be digging through the his uh, science fiction uh, collection, and then I, I, I picked up on you know horror. Uh, and so consequently, when I was like, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, I discovered H.P. Lovecraft. And he's just uh, I don't know if you, you personally are familiar with him, but he is so creepy right. and un unique. I mean, he, he he's he's almost, I would say, uh, arguably the, the father of weird fiction as a genre. So anyway, I'd, I'd been familiar with him. I loved his stuff. I uh, got offered to, to uh, do a couple of volumes that uh, that they were releasing on H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Uh, it got a really good response, so we did more. I ended up doing six volumes of it, and uh, that's how Lovecraft came about. And uh, this kind of doubles back to a question you asked before. That seems to be my niche, uh, you know, horror, weird uh, <laughs> fiction. Creepy stuff. Yeah, so... For some reason, my wife is not at all surprised about about <laughs> that that I fell into that um, into that genre. But the, that seems to be where my strengths are. You know, that's where my interest lies. And I, I think the key to that is no matter what uh, you're involved in and what you're doing, if it's uh, if it's something you like doing or something you love doing, it seems a lot less like work. Uh, that's where I'm gravitating now is towards audiobooks and uh, having been uh, drafted into the gaming world with uh, with Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, uh, and so is I'm, that the? Uh, I was, that was one of the questions. Was is that the first game that you've been a part of? 
Yeah, I, I had done things uh, that were in development that never uh, never made it out of development for one okay. reason or, or another. Uh, I would like to be quick to say that I hope <laughs> it wasn't because of my performance, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, things didn't, uh, you know, just never made it to market. Um, but uh, when, when uh, Chris contacted me about doing Darkest Dungeon, it just seemed to be a marriage made in heaven because, as you probably know, his... Uh, uh, inspiration for that was partially H.P. Uh, Lovecraft type of feel, you know. So yeah, certainly the the game as, as it's constructed seems to fit right in that same lane that that you've been doing with the Lovecraft stories and that that interest that you have. So how did how did Chris reach out to you? How did that all develop? Well, when I was first actually doing the Lovecraft stuff, I think it was like 2002 or 2003. I started doing that. Once that got out to market, um, you know, just uh, making a pretty good impression. And uh, Chris had actually written to me and, and said, uh, oh, I just wanted to say I got your H.P. Lovecraft books. and I think they're great. And game developer, I'm, I'm really interested in in, in that genre. And, uh, you know, I listen to your, your books while I'm uh, doing the art or doing the development for for my story. So thank you for your work, that kind of thing. Oh, great. And, uh, and that that was like you know I don't know 2002 or 2003. Wow. Uh, he called me uh, finally in uh, uh, when he had the, the 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 birth of Darkest Dungeon was impending. He um, he called me and, uh, and that's how we started to get together. What the, the way he the way he tells it is um, they were trying to uh, put together the trailer for it you know to put on Kickstarter mm-hmm. or whatever and. Uh, why we should okay let's get let's get someone to to narrate the trailer of course okay boy uh i wish we'd get somebody that sounds like uh, wayne june guy and someone in the meeting said why don't you just call him <laughs> <laughs> so, so he did and uh and boy am i glad he did because uh that, that was this is this is kind of like my uh my introduction to the gaming industry it's uh uh there's a community, and well, you probably know there's a community out there uh, that I didn't, I didn't even know existed, and it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's a great bunch of people. I made a lot of friends uh, since I've uh, been introduced to that portion of the industry, and it, it's all because of, uh, you know, Chris Barassa and the, the success of Darkest Dungeon, which is, that was a privilege to be a part of that. Yeah, and and for those who might not know who exactly you're talking about, Chris um, is the co-owner of Red Hook Studios and the creative director of Darkest Dungeon. So that's a game I've I've talked about here on the podcast quite a bit and have written some articles about in the past. And it's just a it's a wonderful game, and certainly your narration adds so much life to it. It really helps. I mean, everything comes together in that game so well: the art style, the game mechanics. Uh, but the you, you're the voice of the narrator, and the narrator provides this ongoing commentary of either how well or usually how not well things are going for you <laughs> during the game. And it's just so well done that even when you're failing, it's still there's a component that's entertaining and like makes you want to do things better. But I like how did he, how did they pitch the game to you when they were first talking with you about it? Chris asked if uh, if I'd be interested in doing something like that. He mentioned that uh, it, it was kind of a, a Lovecraft-inspired uh, theme, 
uh, or at least atmosphere. He sent me a couple of the um, uh, I don't know what the correct term for it is, but uh, some uh, preliminary uh, art from the uh, from from the game, mm-hmm. and uh, told me what the concept was and what the overall story was and how it's going to work and uh, his uh, his visions for the game and it just said wow I just said wow it sounds great you know uh, I, I you know love to love to try it and uh, he sent me a script and I uh, uh, did it for him sent it back and he was like wow it clicked you know he didn't he didn't uh, didn't hear anything that uh, uh, that he wasn't hoping for so. And we just took it from there. We did the trailer, and the trailer was so successful uh, that uh, that he said, "Well, you know, I think we're going to uh, ramp up the involvement of the narrator itself in the game and make that a bigger part." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's go for it." <laughs> you know, sounds good to sure. me. Yeah, and uh, so he did. And I have to be quick to point out, I've gotten a lot of attention for uh, for my work on on Darkest Dungeon, but. Um, uh, it's the brainchild of uh, Chris Barassa and uh, Tyler Sigman, his partner, who's the executive producer, and he's also a game designer. And um, you know they've got great programmers uh, on board. Uh, Kier Miran is a programmer there. Uh, they they uh, hired a musician who's a composer to compose uh, to write all the music. Uh, his name's Stuart Chatwood, and uh, Power Up Audio is another uh, company. Uh, Kevin Regami and Jeff Tangsock uh, are, are uh, partners in that. And uh, what they would do is once I gave uh, my versions of the scripts, uh, handed that in, you know, I typically would give them, I don't know, two, three, four different takes of any given line. Mm-hmm. And that it would give them an opportunity to to check out, well, you know, this one feels right, you know, that and put it together that way. But uh uh, once they picked out what they wanted, you send it. They sent it to uh, Power Up Audio, who took it from there, and just like, you know, p- put all the uh, proprietary uh, digital effects on it, mm-hmm. and uh, did what had had to be done to coordinate all the audio, coordinating it with the music and everything. And those guys just did a bang up job too. So, I mean, besides the fact that the script itself is just genius. It, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, uh, Chris really uh, understood where the, the dark places that uh, that H.P. Lovecraft uh, and that genre uh, understood where they start and where they live and where they go and where they're coming from. And he, he knew all the all the adjectives. You know, H.P. Lovecraft is is known for his purple prose and. Uh, Chris knew how to use all those uh, late 19th century melodramatic phrases, and uh, it was just genius. So, I mean, uh, I'm I'm happy I was able to do justice to to their idea, but um, you know, it's all them because uh, the 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 work on it uh, began way before it got to me, and after it left my hands, uh, the work continued and. It, it's it's those guys that uh, that that made it. So they 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 really put to, put together the whole idea, the execution of it, and took it from start to finish. And yeah, I mean it's a wonderful game. I, I've been telling people on Twitter and through my blog they should play it and check it out. And certainly it seems like a collaborative um, effort between quite a few people. And I wonder what that's been like. And this you mentioned this is your first game that you've been a part of. 
to do something like this that's a little bit more collaborative and almost as you were talking about it talking about the different main players involved it almost like you were describing a band like when you were talking earlier about music and i wonder how is it going from the book narration which is maybe more isolated to the gaming environment which is maybe a bit more collaborative again yeah it's um that, that's a good point it, it is it is really similar and uh uh, Business-wise, it's it's very similar as well. You know, I mean, it's it's not every uh, independent developer that has such uh, such a great success with uh, you know one of their products. So, I mean, they they did everything business-wise correctly as well. Uh, the uh, collaboration part of it, I guess I guess you kind of could say it's uh, it's similar to you know being in a band because you're you're. You're bouncing ideas off each other. It, ha- it happens at a distance in in this industry mm-hmm. because because you're not like you don't have immediate feedback from everyone at all times. Uh, but, but yeah, I think there's there's a a lot less drama, <laughs> personal personal drama in the gaming uh, end of things because being in a band is like I don't know, it's, it's like being married to five. Uh, <laughs> Five, five other egotists, you know. So a lot, a lot of drama in that. Yeah, just how accurate is the movie Almost Famous? Is basically the question. <laughs> or Spinal Tap. Or Spinal Tap. Time. Yes, <laughs> classic. Yeah. And so it was interesting as I was getting ready for my interview with you here today. I was kind of trying to psych myself up because I'm like, well, is he going to sound exactly like the narrator the whole time? Because that's what I've been playing the last year. I've probably. <laughs> I've probably put 50 hours into that game. Uh, I still haven't beaten it, which is a point of contention. I need to get get on that. But so how did you come up with the narrator's voice? Because it's certainly not exactly like your voice. I can kind of hear tinges of it, but how did that voice come to pass? The way Chris had described it to me, what he wanted to hear was basically the, what what he heard in the H.P. Lovecraft stuff I'd done. And, you know, I did six volumes of that stuff and you know, recorded a lot of his uh, a lot of his stories. So I, I kind of had a uh, a mindset going in of that's kind of what it's going to be like. And then the rest of it, uh, it was just uh, content driven from from what, uh, you know, what the what the words in the script were. Uh, what's what's happening here what is this character that i'm doing commenting on and what's his attitude is he happy about it is he mad about it is you know what what is it what's going on and i I would take you know sometimes two three four different you know emotional takes on it uh to give them stuff to choose from and gradually just by the way he was like oh okay like this one and this uh, you know, it kind of got tweaked there from his feedback to it just it just ended up being it just felt right. You know, it's it's acting is what it is. Mm-hmm. And when you're acting, uh, you're you're just transporting yourself, your mindset, your consciousness into into this uh, worldview, into this character and it, and feeling it, because what you want to do is. Uh, put forth the mood or the feeling or the message or the information uh, or the portrayal that that the author had in mind. Mm-hmm. That's that's primary. Uh, you know, it's, you, you kind of want to be transparent yourself so that you don't overshadow it uh, and, and just do what they they are. Uh, hopefully you're accomplishing what they 
intended you know, to begin with. Um, so uh, that's kind of way it went. You know, it just got it just got tweaked as it went along, sure. and uh, it uh, it you know there's only there's only a couple of different ways that you can say things like uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the way a life is taken <laughs> slowly you know so uh, there's plenty of room for expression but but right. <laughs> you're kind of boxed in, into an idea there anyway yeah so. it's not like it's not a very happy <laughs> statement and i was thinking as you were talking this there's like this Venn diagram in my head of the narrator being both wise and, and at the same time very weary. And uh-huh. I, I think it falls in the middle there, whereas you're going through the game, he's kind of giving you some insight about you know the tragic extent of his failings and at the same time talking about these other things that could be beneficial. I'm wondering, was there um, a line or maybe a segment of the game where it's just like, okay, this clicks, this is this guy? Uh, well, I, I think I, I think I kind of got the, the the real feel for it just just out of the out of the trailer, which is the first thing we did. So you know, first I don't know, I think uh, fifteen minutes uh, worth of audio basically went for it and you know hammed it up a little, I think. <laughs> and uh, uh, at times, uh, it, as things went along, I I dialed that back at certain times and dialed it up at other times. You know, so it's it's it's, it's all content driven. And uh, I don't know, I was uh, I just kind of I got it. You know, I got what he was uh, what he intended. Uh, he he loved the the uh, Lovecraft type stuff so much as I have forever. So it was just, you know, he, he grabbed someone who, who knew what he wanted. And uh, I'm just, I'm glad it was me. Yeah. And being the first game that you're a part of, and what were the expectations for you going in about the game success? Or would this be some kind of, would there, would there be a darkest dungeon too? Like what were your thoughts when you did the work and the work was completed, but the game wasn't really out and thriving yet? Uh, what the, the the way my involvement has been uh, chronologically is that uh, every once in a while, uh, Chris would say, "Okay, we got another uh, another drop coming. Coming, uh, I got a script for you. You know, so when can you do it? We'd work that out." And by the time I got that finished, uh, it seems like by the time I turned around uh, and blinked my eyes, "Oh, here's another piece. Oh, yeah, well, we just wrote this. Okay, well, we got another update." And so it's really been ongoing, really, all this time for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't hasn't ended yet. I'm working on the Crimson Court update as we speak, and uh, finishing up uh, probably by the probably by the end of next week. Uh, be finished with uh, with that uh, my portion of that. Excellent. Yeah. So. And you're probably not able to really talk about any of the details of, of Crimson Court, but in terms of maybe the narrator's role, does any are there any differences that you've noticed in some of the things like you have to speak to or in the character oh, itself? It's, it's no, it's just getting better. Just, the writing <laughs> the, the writing is just getting better. It's like uh, nothing makes me happier than to to wake up and find the. Uh, uh, one of those scripts in my email. It's like, oh man, all right, you know. It's like, this is why I used to smoke pot when I was a kid. You know, it's like, it's like I get I get to go down and put the headphones on and fool around with the with the script and and just you know, 
uh, entertain the hell out of myself, basically. And uh, and the script always uh, scripts always crack me up. So uh, I, I just try and you know give him what I think he wants, and uh, you know I've been been lucky so far. Yeah, that that's awesome. I you know I'm certainly ex- excited for um, you know more content coming for that universe for that world. It's been. <laughs> It's it's hard to say that the game's been fun to play because it's punishing at times. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I some <laughs> I've been watching people uh, over the course of the past you know I don't know year or two years uh, streaming the game online, mm-hmm. and I've never been cursed out so much in my <laughs> in my life. You know, the, something horrible will happen, and then the the uh, narration will respond with some you know some some uh, taunt or some wisecrack, and it's like. Ah! <laughs> beep you Wayne June beep you you know you you son of a beep you're you're loved and hated by the same people it must be an interesting experience <laughs> it is it's 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 fun and so have you been getting out to different gaming conventions and things like that since this since Darkest Dungeon has taken off really in the last probably like 18 months or so it's really gained a lot of momentum uh, no, the guys at, uh, at at Red Hook have been, uh, you know, covering that end of things, uh, really. You know, they, they are participating in all that stuff, and they know what the important ones are to go to. And But uh, I've, I've really had it with traveling, so. Well, that's what you were <laughs> saying before from the music career. You're, you're happy, content out on the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, within the next year or so, I'm... Uh, moving in a southerly direction and going to get some property out in the woods and uh, and turn into an, a real hermit instead of just a, a wannabe hermit. Build your own hamlet for yourself. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, I can see it now. And I can, you know, uh, uh, hook up uh, uh, speakers around the perimeter and have different triggers where, you know, if people are walking up and they happen to pass my mailbox, you know, getting some sort of creepy message that'd be great i'll have to ask chris or maybe if he can write me some stuff <laughs> that would be excellent and so with with uh it sounds like the crimson court dlc content from your end is probably finishing up here th- this month or so has the success of this game opened up some other opportunities for you in the, the gaming world or even in the like audiobook narration world uh yeah i've uh, i've gotten a lot of uh, attention you know from the game uh uh, I had, I think, before Darkest Dungeon, you know, I had a Twitter account, but, uh, you know, I would, didn't know much about Twitter, didn't really have a specific community interest type of thing with my account. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd have, you know, I don't know, a couple dozen followers and I'd stop in there once a month and, and see what was going on. But uh, the gaming community really has a... a, a pretty respectable uh, Twitter presence. So I, I got like, I don't know, 2,500, what do you call them? Followers on Twitter. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hooked me up to the gaming industry just in terms of talking to people who uh, like the work and would like to do this kind of work. And uh, I've had a bunch of offers from, um, from different quarters that, that haven't worked out. Some have worked out. Uh, and also in the the uh, as you mentioned the, in the audiobook world, uh, I'm I'm getting a, a lot of attention in terms of if if a, a book or a series comes out that that is in that genre that's you know horror or uh, science fiction or creepy stuff and you know I'm getting a lot of offers for for creepy stuff which is great 
So I'm happy to be creepy. I have a home. <laughs> so, so the people with romance novels aren't knocking down your door? No, not anymore. <laughs> they, uh, I actually uh, got an offer at one time that, that uh, in that genre that really did creep me out. It's from, from some Eastern Bloc nation <laughs> where they wanted me to do this. Uh, uh, they called it uh, you know, uh, erotic romance, but it was, you know, it was just like audio porn, and it was. <laughs> I find I find it hard to take myself seriously doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just like, well, thanks for the offer, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining some adult-themed Darkest Dungeon thing mixed with that, and it's not going in a good direction. So. Uh... Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that could that could lead to arrest and imprisonment. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, not not good time. So, are there any specific games that you've kind of signed on to to work on going forward? Um, not games in particular, but uh, uh, I've done a lot of stuff for uh, some of the gamers themselves. Matter of fact, the guys at Red Hook did uh, did a release at, at one point where they actually went through. Uh, I worked on this with uh, Kevin from Power Up Audio. He did ninety nine percent of the work. Uh, went through uh, the gamers uh, and the streamers channels and. Uh, you know the ones that were participating with uh, with Darkest Dungeon. He made an, an effort and a point, and was very successful at getting something that that's very personal to them. Mm. You know, something that that really has to do with with their presence, with their personality. And uh, he tweaked like I don't know, five hundred different uh, little notification things oh, that wow. like if they. If they get a follower or if they get a subscriber it, uh, while they're streaming, it'll it'll trigger a uh, a uh, an audio file. So he made up like 500 of those that were personalized. Oh wow! And yeah, and we did that, and then they gave them away. They gave them to the to the streamers, which was like, holy cow! Talk about uh, a smart move in terms of just you know appreciating your supporters, uh, appreciating people that appreciate you. They they did uh, did a, a bang up job on that. Yeah, and that that certainly struck me from talking with Chris a few months back and speaking with you here today, and you know my enjoyment of the game. You know, I haven't I haven't been uh, streaming it, or but I know a lot of people have jumped into that, and just the sense of community that seems to be there around this game in particular. I know other games certainly have a following, but uh, the community that's that's gravitated around this, and I mean, from your perspective, why do you think that is? Why do you think people have been so appreciative? of of the efforts of you chris and the rest of the team i i think that uh, that they those guys just knocked it out of the park you know i mean their their concept was a great one and they uh, have such a, a level of uh, uh, talent and commitment and uh discipline and uh professionalism that the, they just pushed all the right buttons man made it happen i mean I've heard forever, you know, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat its way to your door. Well, these guys just like built the, you know, uh, <laughs> the greatest uh, game slash horror uh, slash, I don't know what, uh, mousetrap that, that, that has ever been. I mean, they just knocked the, the project out of the park. And then they have also followed through on it. You know, they uh, they get, get involved with the. Uh, with people that that appreciate the game, and um, you know, I don't know how that, that's 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 just my take on it. I mean, it's, it's they're so good, you know. How could they fail? 
Well, and just even hearing your tone of voice and how you're just t- chatting about the experience, it sounds like the people they've collaborated with that they've they've treated them very well too. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's it's rare in in any kind of artistic endeavor, I think, to to find people that are emotionally balanced and are profession, professionally focused. Uh, you know, and those guys are. Uh, uh, at all times, you know, they they know what they want. They know what they're doing and uh, uh, they they treat everyone well. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I think my biggest problem with those guys is they don't give me anything to complain about. <laughs> so it's like I have to go pick on somebody else now, you know. Right. Just, you know, something to complain about anything. Yeah, I know. Please. <laughs> well, maybe maybe I'll have to just concentrate on that. You don't give me enough problems. You know, and and so I I mean this is maybe getting too far down the road, but I mean it would seem that if Darkest Dungeon, if that world continues to be successful in this Crimson Court, uh, that a lot of people play it and enjoy it, that there would be perhaps another segment of this game or something, some other type of expansion. Is, is that something that's been discussed internally or not something you can get into? Um, no, nothing specific. I've, I've heard Chris in interviews saying that, uh, you know, he's um, not finished, uh, not ready to, you know, take the darkest dungeon and put it on the shelf and, okay, it's done, you know, mm-hmm. uh, wipe my hands, uh, uh, wash my hands of it. Uh, so they're, they're still working on developing and improving and going cross-platform and all sorts of stuff on it. So uh, I never know what they're going to come up with, but uh, when they're ready for me, I mean, if he wanted to go out and, and mow lawns or deliver newspapers, I'd be on board because they just <laughs> anything anything they want to do, they do it and they do it right. So. And so it sounds like you'd be on board to provide some more uh, narration, if you will, in the future for uh, the narrator's uh, efforts. Oh, sure, sure, sure. If I if I can make that character live forever, I would do that. So it's just too much fun not to. Yeah, I mean, and, and talking about the different lines, and is there is there a favorite that you have? I don't. You may have been asked that before. Yeah, and I can't. I can't. I, I can't. Pick one out. There's, they're just. I mean, there's so many of them that I can't, you know, uh, off the top of my head remember them all. And I haven't actually played the game, so I haven't been exposed to it, uh, you know, in context, if you will, and for hours at a time. So uh, someone has put up on uh, YouTube uh, all the lines uh, in a row. Oh, wow. You know? <laughs> uh, so. Uh, if when I get a new script, I'll go and and play through that, listen to it for a half hour, and say, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. So that way, I'm not like starting off on the wrong foot. Uh, uh, it gets me back into character, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just it cracks me up. It's 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 entertaining in itself. Yeah, it sounds like you really enjoy it, and that's interesting. That before you get some new lines, going back and listening to the final product kind of remind yourself oh yeah this is how i say that or this is the vibe i'm shooting for yeah absolutely it's a it's a that's something you get from uh audiobooks too particularly uh the fiction stuff if uh you're working uh through a uh a long novel or a story where you know there there are several different characters okay where um it takes a takes a while to to develop a character uh, at least for me that that i'm satisfied with okay Here's how this guy sounds. Here's here's basically where he's where his voice is pitched, and uh, here's basically what his affect is, and, and you know here's 
here's his outlook and here's his attitude. Okay, fine. And then you develop a voice around that. And then there's other, other aspects like pronunciations that might be uh, unique to, to one individual, you know, in uh, inventing a character. There's just so many things to consider. Now, uh, I'll do that. And that happens in chapter one or chapter two. And the story goes on. Maybe this guy isn't going to appear again until, you know, chapter nine. Mm-hmm. And by that time, you know, uh, uh, I haven't, uh, you know, heard that voice or done that voice or been in that head for a long time now. So uh, in the audio program, I use uh, uh, Pro Tools. You can put sort of a, a bookmark in. Uh, so uh, uh, a list of clips will come up on the screen and I'll highlight the, the guy from Chapter 2 and play it. Oh, yeah. OK, that's what he sounds like. Mm-hmm. Boom. Then it'll work until I get that voice back and and then take it from there. One of the things we, we were kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit uh, between email. One of the things I had checked in with you about was as you're talking about doing the narration piece and how, you know, every book's a little bit different, different characters come in and out of the story and you have to refresh your memory about who they are and get into that mindset. I, I've always been curious, not really knowing many musicians myself. And you said you had been touring for quite some time. What is it like? And this is a selfish question because I've always wanted to ask somebody this, but what is it like to perform the same music over and over again? And how do you keep <laughs> how do you keep that fresh? I've always wondered this. Live performance uh, is is always pretty exciting mm-hmm. to me. Uh, uh, whether you know you're playing in a small club or if you're playing you know jazz at a private party is background music or whatever. Uh, it's uh, it's just it's a fun thing to do, and uh, the the bigger the audience and the more focused the audience, uh, the better. The more sort of I don't know emotionally interactive it more, is. There more energy in the room, so to speak. Exactly, yeah. and uh, uh, you know they feed yours and you feed theirs, and you know that's how you get you know uh, hopefully to a, to a place where it was a successful performance. But uh, but oh yeah, I've been there. I mean, uh, particularly with cover bands, uh, there's a uh, there's tried and true um, songs and and uh, that, that you just have to play. And if you don't play them, somebody's going to ask for it. You know, uh, and in my case, it's like I don't know, uh, pro- probably uh, Mustang Sally okay. or uh, or uh, or Freebird or you know, it's like oh god, <laughs> not again. Yeah, or yeah, there's 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 Certain audiences, uh, you know, I've played in front of that are like, I don't know, maybe older uh, and uh, sort of uh, dance oriented. I don't know if you want to. So in, in another one that comes up, it's like twist and shout. If if I ever have to play twist and shout again, someone who is going to bleed. You know, it's like, ah. so uh, but uh, it, it, it all depends because it, um, you know, there, there's, so, there's so many different aspects of it. It's uh, uh, you're on stage, you're 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 really creating something live uh, with, you know, four or five other people uh, in front of a live audience is a is a I don't know. It's like a it's like a conversation with people. So I, I may may ha, may have to talk about the same subject a lot, but, you know, it, uh, that even gives it kind of a different challenge mm-hmm. to like, okay, I played this song how many times? Probably 10,000 times. What can I possibly do with it mm-hmm. that 
would make it a little more interesting for me, but it wouldn't ruin it for people who won't, you know, want to hear it. And it's a that's a fine balance too. So, but yeah, yeah, you you can be you can be driven crazy by by you know having to do the same repertoire just over and over. Repetition. And over. Yeah. Although as a as you were talking there and you kind of slipped into a a different voice, I was thinking, you know, you could you could go on tour just as the narrator performing popular songs, and there's a there's a <laughs> There is a market there, especially at different gaming conventions. Like people would line up for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and maybe like uh, I've had several acoustic sets. <laughs> I, I've had I've had several offers for uh, you know, uh, would you please narrate my life? So I'm like, right. you know, sh- sure, uh, you know, we could we could work out a deal, work out a price, and and I'll follow you around and and just announce what you're doing all day, you know. That would be fantastic. Just yeah. have, you, you could be someone's herald. Exactly. Just announce them as they're walking down the street into work. Jim is here for his 3 a.m. meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Michael. If people do want to get in touch with you to be their personal herald or anything else, what's the best way to reach you? Well, I, uh, I, I try to maintain a, uh, a, a fairly decent presence on the social media thing because you know uh, not everyone goes everywhere so uh you know you could probably find me on the social media of your choice whether it's uh facebook or twitter or google plus or you know uh, a- any of those things i have a website waynejune.com but uh i'm always embarrassed to say i haven't uh, updated it for probably Nine years, ten years. <laughs> so well, you've been busy. Uh, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, it's a, it's a one man operation here. So, uh, you know, I, it it really wouldn't wouldn't do much for me to 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 spend a lot of time, uh, you know, updating the uh, the website and marketing that way and being aggressive because I have more work than I can handle right now anyway. Okay. So. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it uh, there's certainly certainly uh, worse ways to end up. Uh, so uh, I mean, it, it also is good because it gives me the gives me something to complain about. You know, just being busy. Sure, <laughs> it's like you're seriously butting into my goofing off time here, man. So. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your time with me. I really uh, appreciate the time uh, that you spent with us talking about um, just the different business interest you've been uh, involved in in the past from music to the narration piece and uh, certainly enjoyed talking about darkest dungeon for a while um, and look forward to the rest of the adventures from the narrator that is going to come out in the crimson court uh, for darkest yeah dungeon. that should yeah i think that should be out uh i think they're talking about the end of the month or or possibly june i should be finishing up my part of that uh by the end of next week so from then it goes on to uh goes uh to uh to Chris and then to power up audio to, to, to have them tweak, tweak all the uh, technical stuff about it. Also, I'm working, and this is also with Red Hook. Uh, they've written up a script for uh, what's called an announcer pack okay. for a game called uh, Dota 2, which uh, I had not been familiar with before that, but uh, evidently that in itself has quite a following. So okay. we did, we did a uh, kind of a, uh, 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 narrator from Darkest Dungeon, the ancestor guy, they call him, a uh, 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 version of him doing uh, uh, all the, the prompts and uh, uh, audio clips oh, that, that are, re- are required for Dota 2. Yeah, so people are excited about that. 
Um, When's that come out, or is that already out? Uh, nope, I'm in the middle of that. Right. That should, that should. Uh, I think that's going to be the next thing after Crimson Court uh, to really concentrate on. So I should have that done uh, by the end of the month as well. Now, I have a couple of uh, audio books I'd like to tell yeah, you about please. too, if you if you have time. Yes. Um, uh, you can get these at uh, at uh, Amazon. Um, they're on iTunes. Uh, but the the way I prefer to experience audiobooks uh, is on a place called audible.com they're owned owned by amazon and for those who are not familiar it's like it's you know they they have the market cornered on uh downloadable uh retail audiobooks uh it's an advantage if uh if you are really into audiobooks if you listen to them a lot you know for example there's uh i've seen audiobooks on there for sale that uh it could kind of an epic uh it might be it might be 30 hours long it might be 35 hours long and instead of paying retail for it uh which might be you know 50 bucks it might be 80 bucks it, that that's kind of a, a healthy investment so uh if you listen to audiobooks more than uh, more than once a year uh, then Audible turns out being a, a good deal because you buy like a membership for, for uh, I don't know, it, it, no matter what the retail uh, cost of the book ends up being uh, with your uh, Audible membership, which is free, you can uh, you can get it for like as low as uh, is like 10 bucks a book. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's a and uh, I have the, the membership to it where I get uh, 24 audio books. Uh, all downloadable at any time I want. Okay. You know, so and what are some of the books also... that you've been working on that are recently on there? Okay. Well, there's a, there's a, an author by the name of Jason Brandt, B-R-A-N-T. And uh, he's got a couple of series out that, uh, that I've been involved with. One is called The Hunger Series. It's horror. It's science fiction. It's, it's weird. It's monsters. This uh, uh, series is uh, book one is called Devoured. Okay. Book two is called Consumed. Uh, book three is called Ravaged. And uh, I've been suggesting that he do another one, uh, like a book four might be, might be, might be called. You know, I could eat. <laughs> so say, there's some pretty harsh titles. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, They're not pulling and, uh, any the, it, This is like a, a po- post-apocalyptic world where. Uh, people have morphed into, I don't know, uh, I want to say zombies, but they're not really zombies. Okay. It, it's uh, uh, they have a, a characteristic all their own. It's like a, it's, it's like an, an, another take on the zombie novel. Okay. And uh, he's hilarious, and he's also like pretty scary. Okay. Um, he's got another series out called Asher Benson. That's the name of the hero, who is. Uh, a veteran of the uh, war in the Middle East, he came home with a head injury, um, and in the course of his recovery, discovered now that he can read minds. Ah, so, it's a useful as a skill. result of yes, and it's driving him crazy. So he has to drink like two cases of beer a day in order to, you know, keep his head screwed on straight because he can just hear everyone's thoughts all the time, and uh, he ends up being <clears throat> drafted into uh, some. <clears throat> covert uh, government work uh, because of his skills as a as a, a psychic or a mind reader and uh it's a, the story's just there's there's two so far of those there's uh 
Uh, book one is called Ash. Book two is called Madness. Okay. Asher Benson, book two, and he's great. Uh, uh, I did recently Dead Ends, which is a book of short stories by Bart Hopkins. You can probably tell from the title that Dead Ends is not particularly cheerful little There's piece. not a lot of perfumes and flower titles that that uh <laughs> like you said you've kind of found your 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 lane, your niche. Yeah, I'm 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 so disappointed too because I mean, you know, the romantic novel is really where my that's where my heart is, sure. Michael. Sure. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh one that I'm also working on now uh is called The Specimen mm. uh, by a, a novel uh, by a novel by an, uh, an author by the name of Pete Kale, and uh, that's K A H L E. You can find any of these on um, on Audible or, for that matter, you know, iTunes or what's the other one I said? <laughs> um, Amazon, I think. You Amazon, about, yeah, Amazon. Sure. Yeah. So. Well, excellent. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, if anybody wants to track me down, get in contact with me. You can, like I said, hit me up uh, Facebook or Twitter, or go to my website, or you, or just email me. It's uh, easy to remember. Wayne at WayneJune dot com. And uh, you know, if there's uh, anything you need in terms of a recommendation for an audiobook, I can hook you up with that. Um, and every once in a while, the publishers will give me credits for free downloads so if i happen to have a mailbox full of them get in touch with me if you're interested you know i give you one you can download free audiobook oh, and check that excellent. out excellent well that's very kind well um you know congratulations on the success of, of darkest dungeon and just your career sounds like you know you got a lot of work uh that you're balancing so that's always probably a good thing and uh, i wish you luck when you said you're going to be moving down south to find your own land and yeah, and, and 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 start the compound. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, speaking of congratulations, I think uh, there's some uh, in uh, in order for you. Uh, you got a new member of the household. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Our, thank you. Yeah. Our our son. Uh, as we're recording, it's recording on a May eighth, and uh, he just turned four months today. So. His his reward was getting a bunch of shots at the doctor, but <laughs> wow. you say, you sound remarkably rested for <laughs> for having uh, a, a, a person that age in the house. You know, he's been a, a trooper, and I'm I'm knocking on wood, which I don't know if that'll come through the the microphone here, but <laughs> he's been more or less sleeping through the night for a few weeks. We've been we've been very fortunate, so. Um, wow. He's he's cooperated. He's been he's been a champ. He's a lot of fun. Um but the routine is definitely different. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. So um <laughs> I, this is kind of the podcast is sort of the one thing I do to keep tethered to some of my hobbies and interests. A lot of other stuff has fallen by the wayside. So uh I really do appreciate your time for uh joining me here this evening and uh chatting about yeah. some of the things we both enjoy and I always enjoy learning about the stuff I don't know about. Well, I appreciate your time too. Thank you for having me. And uh, you know, uh, anytime you get stuck and you need somebody to babble, just give me a right shot. on. We'll do. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael.